All right, sweet. So we'll get started now that the Dayton area has officially made um, a shift. <laughs> so uh, I'm Reggie, and um, I am from People's Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Been there for five years in May. I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. And um, this is church like heaven workshop i don't remember what i named it (laughs) um and so um it'll be very informal we're going to have a discussion as we kind of uh kind of lay the foundation of what church like heaven worship is and so uh, let me ask a question start off is that how many of you um attend or involved in a, whether it's a church or a ministry that is diverse. And when I say diverse, meaning multicultural or something. Okay. Like multicultural, multi-ethnic. Okay. Um, How many of you have actually had a discussion on what it means to be multicultural or multi-ethnic. Okay. Okay. So, um, there's a couple things I'm going to do. Um, so, we'll talk about multi-ethnic, multicultural church. We're going to also, you can't talk about multicultural, multi-ethnic church without actually talking about race. So, we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about immigrants. And so... Um, if you're not used to those terms or having a discussion about that, it's okay. <laughs> uh, sometimes it can make people a little uneasy, but we're all family here. Okay. Um, so I'm going to challenge some thinking. It's all right. Um, maybe there are some things you never heard before or not used to. So we'll, we'll uh, navigate through that. So, uh, a couple things that I'm going to do is kind of just lay a foundation theologically uh, on our topic. Uh, I'll use the term church like heaven instead of multicultural, multi-worship, I mean multicultural, multi-ethnic, um, just because it's just an easier term. And I'll explain that in a second of why. Um, so, Revelations 4 and 5 um, gives us a picture of what heaven's worship <laughs> service will look like. And so you find in those chapters how God has granted us access into his throne room. You hear audible praises of creation around his throne room. So this multicultural or church-like heaven gathering is inclusive of all peoples. It's a gathering where we celebrate the different expressions that God has given the church. So in 1958, there's a quote from Martin Luther King, Jr., he says that we, fa- we must face the sad fact that at the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning, when we stand to sing, we stand in the most segregated hour in America. So actually someone else said that he quoted it, but he gets credit for it. So, <laughs> so if we are brutally honest with each other, we can come to this gut-wrenching um, reality that this statement is still true. So only 13.7% of churches are diverse. And I say diverse because sometimes it can be what we call 
multicolored. And so you can have different ethnicities in your church. However, there's a dominant culture that um, that everybody goes by. So they're not included in, into um, the worship service. So whether it's language that's used or whether it is expressions of different worship is not used in those. So that's why I say diverse. We have a lot of diverse churches, but they're really just multicolored churches. Um, so as worship leaders or those who are involved in these different capacities, we have a awesome opportunity um, to help bridge the gap. And so, um, even though there's a small percentage, hey, come on in. Um, even though there's a small percentage of churches that are diverse, it's not a negative. We look at it as a great opportunity. Okay. Um, and not to only just bring diversity, but to bring inclusion into worship services. So, I talked about when I speak about multi-ethnic, multicultural, and the reason why church like heaven is a term that describes many people's nations living together um, in unity and a cultural inclusiveness is the norm. Okay. So, a uh, couple things. We'll um, lay the foundation of the why, and then um, I'll talk about some dangers of non-diverse worship. Um, how to incorporate diversity, talk about the costs, we'll talk about the popular theories of how we incorporate those as well. Okay. Um, so we talked a little, I mentioned Revelations 5, so you have this, um, um, you have this event that happens for John. And he sees this magnificent um, image or imagery of, of heaven and um, there's something that happens in Revelation 5 to where he says or where he writes is that um, there's not one who is worthy to open the scroll Okay, and then he begins to weep because he didn't see anyone that was found he says and then the angel says to stop your weeping for um, the Lamb of God is able to open it. So, but I want to clue in on something: is the scroll. Okay, so the scroll that is ha- that he sees in the right hand of the Lamb, the one who's sitting on the throne. Sorry, the one who's sitting on the throne is actually kind of like a mortgage deed. It t- tells how to redeem mankind back to each other or back to to God. So. Uh, a scroll in Old, time, Old Testament or Old Times, I guess, is uh, on the outside there's a name that's written. And now only that person can open the scroll. Inside of it tells you is a message. So that's what he sees. The only one who can open the scroll really, as we progress, we know that it's the Lamb of God. He's purchased everyone. He has redeemed mankind from himself. So... Uh, there is like 26 pictures of Jesus in the book of Revelation. The main, one of the primary pictures is he's our kinsman redeemer, our goel, um, is a Hebrew word. Uh, he's the one that's able to purchase. But inside of the mortgage deed, sometimes we forget that it actually includes all people. 
not just people who look like us. So um, the scroll that is open, he has redeemed every tribe, every tongue, um, every nation to himself. So there's tons and tons and tons of scriptures that um, we can look at as far as the theology that everyone is actually included. It was, and it's an Old Testament, uh, from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, this um, primary picture of this kinsman redeemer goes all the way back to Leviticus, everything like that. So the basic foundation of it is laid that God has redeemed all men. It's always been a part of his plan since the foundation of the earth for Jew and Gentile. So as the as the story progresses, we see that you know the Jews get the gospel and then the rest take it to the to uh, the Gentiles to the ends of the earth. So it's always been about God's plan. What's inside of the scroll? So inside of the scroll is God created the nations. Okay, so Acts seventeen twenty six says that he made from one man every nation of, of mankind to live on all of the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation. So nations, ethnos. Nations, according to scripture, may not just have a geopolitical or organizational or boundary, uh, but they are definitely unified by culture or language. Okay? So God created um, the nations. So don't think of nations as a political or a geographic grouping of people, but think of it in terms of like the Cherokee Nation. Um, it's ethnic identity is when we talk about nations. So God created the nations. Number two is that God created the nations to worship him. Um, Psalms 86, there is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours? All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. So God created God created the nations to worship him, and God desires that. Thirdly, is that God desires the nations to worship together. And we see this in Revelation 5. We also see it in Revelation 7-9, where the nations worship together. So why church like heaven? God created the nations. God created the nations to worship him. And God created the nations to worship him together. So church like heaven can be very uncomfortable at times. Complicated, difficult, and time consuming. So imagine, so in our church of peoples, we have over 35 nations that are represented. That doesn't, even, that doesn't even include language. That's just the different nations, the ethnic groups that we have. Um, I have the awesome opportunity to actually be in charge of the whole service. So I'm not just a worship pastor as in terms of just leading the music, but all of that falls underneath me. So that's why I say it can be very time consuming because you want everyone to be included. You want them to, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about um, hospitality and how that plays a part in things, but you want people when they f enter into your church to feel like they are a part of something as well. So um, uncomfortable for me could be that now I'm learning uh, a new language 
or that something that I may dislike, I now include into services. So um, there's a lot of work, hard work that's required, but it's worth it. So this can make many people feel uncomfortable. God's desire is not that we have our own separate worship services suited to our own individual tastes and preferences. To see nations worshiping together takes intentionality. So you have to be intentional about wanting to worship together with other people that may not look like us. Any questions so far about what we covered? Um, let me point out a few dangers of non-diverse worship. So if a stranger walks into your church for every week for a month, what message are you conveying? Are you conveying that what we value is, or are you conveying the message of what you value? Um, is your church welcoming to someone who does not look like you, dress like you, or think like you? Okay. So one of the dangers could be valuing of one culture over, over another. So we say we value every culture equally, but clearly one language, one culture way of doing things, one style of music is dominant and um, is obviously valued. And uh, many others are not. Are we okay with this? Should we be okay with this? Are some questions that we ask ourselves. So are we okay with this just being one way of doing things? And should we be okay with it? Okay. Uh, another way is failure to engage hearts. So if you only pay, play uh, one genre of music, some will have their hearts engaged because of their preferred style. Others will not. Yeah, so um, I will put it in the classification of this. CCM, Contemporary Christian Music. Contemporary Christian music can fall in a crowd of categories from Hillsong to Chris Tomlin. Um, those cater to a particular group of people. Um, gospel, or what you consider black gospel, could be one genre. Um, and then even in black gospel, there's many genres within there. You do have your hymns, but what I've found is hymns can sometimes be associated with the older generation. But it actually, for internationals as well, can be, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you could have, and then that's just happening to certain scope, or Southern Gospel could be one, from your Gaithers to um, David Phelps or something like that. Then you also have your international sounds as well, and your international sounds could be from different continents, different not just get, you can get into continents to different regions. You know, there's a certain South Africa type genre versus if you're from West Africa or East Africa. Um, and so that's what I mean by different genres. And so if you only play 
and, and there are churches that only play Hillsong, for example, you may be sending a signal to other people outside that you're only you're valuing one culture or another. And this is when we get into more of cultural inclusiveness, is that you want to include, you wouldn't attract me if you only play one style of music. Just being blunt. <laughs> um, only because we'll get to it a little later, but yes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, so you said that you know some of them you don't like, or you. So is there a criteria that has to be met in order? I mean, I know that there are different uh, genres, but is there a criteria that must be met? I mean, you're not going to just let whatever you want. I mean, is there a criteria that you meet that has to be met? I think it's, it differs for each church, meaning that what is represented in your body. So um, our largest, for example, our largest group uh, peoples is uh, what we call Habesha, the Ethiopian Eritrean. Um what it looks like in our makeup of our church versus the church that's down the street that may be diverse is different. So the criteria may be a little different. Um, and when you say criteria, meaning that when you're putting songs together or, yeah. And, and yes. So um, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in the different models if we get to it. But what I do is more of a fusion type of model. <laughs> Um, to where in my set, my criteria is I always have a, a gospel song. I always have a CCM and I always have a hymn and an international song depending on where the international is depending on where whatever we're doing, but it could be from anywhere. And I fuse it all together. Um, and that's just how I work with it. Um, there are some churches that do this Sunday is going to be all gospel. Then the next Sunday will be this or whatever. There's, there's, it just depends on your church. Um, there's pros and cons to each. And we'll, I'll get into that a little more too. Any other questions or clarification? Yes. Yes. So we have a list of different people who, let me rephrase it. We have a list of different uh, nations that are represented in our church. Um, it doesn't always have to be, because it could become challenging and overwhelming if you just try to do it with music. We do it with lyrics. So this past Sunday, we had an all-in, what we call all-in service. So everybody was there because we launched People's Church East. And um, so we had on the screen, and this this was um, my um, tool of saying we need three screens in the sanctuary. <laughs> um, so we had three different languages on the screen, which was Amharic, which is for my um, Habashai, and then Spanish. So we have... And we, we try not to, we, 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 this whole thing is a process. So um, I'm constantly in my area reevaluating different things of how I do things. Uh, even my approach in um, how I audition or how I 
you know, you put out whether your whether your form of communication, whether it's the bulletin or whether it's announcing from the stage, you know, whoever wants to become a part of this, it doesn't work for everybody. And so sometimes you find out that certain people have talents and you have to go and get them and say, hey, I heard that you do this. Would you mind? Let me hear you play. How can I, you know, incorporate this? Would you mind being a part of the team? And they're like, yeah. And then they're the most dedicated people. <laughs> they're there every Sunday or something. And so it doesn't doesn't work with some of the ways that we do. You have to, for some people, they have to be asked into it. Um. So that's why I said we're we're in, we're in process of always evaluating um, certain things. But we have the three languages on our screen. We don't. We have those as language groups. They don't. We don't look at them as they have their own separate church, because then you create silos. And then how do we actually come together and worship? And that's the biggest component that we're dealing with now. Is that how do we? incorporate, and not saying that we'll ever get rid of language services, because those language services are needed. That's how people connect. If you're from, if you, English is not your number one, or your, if, if it's your secondary or maybe third um, way of speaking and, or communicating, it can be exhausting if you're doing it all week long. And so we find within our Habesha ministry that that's how they connect to each other. That's how um they get things done. Um, the way that they do funerals are different than the way that whites do funerals. Blacks do funerals different than uh, Ethiopia. This is a whole week-long process. You know, sometimes you go visit people and you say, hello, 10, 15 minutes, you're out. They're there, in and out. And so it's just, that's why we call it church like heaven because it's inclusive of of every of everyone and it takes time um they you know so anyway <laughs> any other questions clarifications okay um so the nine the, the dangers of nine diverse worship um we talked about f- failure to engage hearts the third one is failure to give god glory um so diversity is rooted in the creative activity of God, but one wonders why. For what reason did God display such variety in his human, his humans, plants, animals, and in an uh, organic world? Um, it is my conviction that only in the immersed and grand variety could we begin to capture the character the grace, and the glory of God. So to put it another way, God cannot adequately be revealed in a creation of similarities. Okay. So if we... So God cannot be adequately, adequately be revealed in a creation of similarities. So there's a reason why God created such a diverse world. He thrives in diversity. Um, I'm enriched because of my cross relationships I have with my brothers and sisters who don't look like me. And so one of the things that we always bring up, uh, at our staff is that if, if one of our people groups are not included, we're really robbing ourselves of the greatness that they contribute to our services and not just our services to our lives. 
So if we only have a community of similarities, what do we reveal about God, number one? And two, what do we fail to reveal about God? So if we only have a community of similarities, what do we reveal about God? And what do we fail to reveal about God? Um, fourth, failure to give God, to give an accurate picture of Christ to the world. And I think this is one of the most dangerous. Um, so, John 17. So one of the key phrases that is make us one, right? But there's something that, um, as I kind of study grabbed hold and I always wondered about it. He actually, he, he says in this Jesus, Jesus high priestly prayer that he says, make us one, make them one as you and I are one. Right. But he says something else over and over and over. And it's the word glory that's used, whether it's glory or glorifying. Um, and that is actually in that passage more than make us one. So what is glory? So glory is, God's sum total, it's his essence, it's his character, it's who he is. So, in John 17, he says that the glory that you have given me, I now give to them. So that the world would know by the love that they show one to another that they are my disciples. So, when I say it's... that it's a failure to give an accurate picture of Christ to the world is, is that we are his glory. We reflect the character of God. We reflect the essence, his nature of who he is. And as much as we are divided, the world sees that. And they don't see his nature, his character, his love, the he, his grace, his mercy that we preach every single time, right? The message of, of the gospel is that you know, he can come, you can have your sins forgiven, but then there's more to it than that. There is unity that we live in. There is togetherness that we live in, and the world doesn't see it. So no wonder why they're not attracted. We can put up LED screens, and we can have some of the best bands ever, but if we don't show love to one another, and I'm not talking about uniformity when I talk about unity, but if we don't have love for one another, then I think we fell at the biggest thing that God has given us. And that's, he has given us his glory, his nature that we should reflect to the world. So that's what I mean by failure to give an accurate picture to the world. So I would encourage, cause there's a lot more details and, and John 17, as you read that and you see the word glory and to make us one. So how do we incorporate diversity? So a leader trying to build a multicultural lifestyle is intentional about building relationships outside of their own race. So this is not to check a box, a quota, to add a different perspective in your life. But it's so you're not saying, oh, I need an Asian friend or I need to have a good friend. Click, click. Um. But like I said, it enriches our own life. So it's imperative that we build teams that are ethnically diverse. 
So we talked a little bit about we have to go and find them, right? So um, they may be in your congregation, they may not be. They may be in your neighborhood, community, on your job, or something like that. Um, so here are some steps. Uh, be curious. Ask questions. We call it um, cultural, um, um, diverse cultural coaching. So someone um, that, you know, wouldn't mind you asking questions. So I have an MD, a musical director, um, who is white, and he asks questions that he doesn't know. Simple questions. I mean, I would say simple, but intriguing questions, I guess. So, about the black hair. We talk about that. <laughs> we talk about cultural things, because he doesn't know. So, that's why I said be, be curious. Ask questions. Um, how come you do things this way, or how come this happens, you know. Uh, go outside your comfort zone. So you have to go outside your comfort zone. Expand your creative horizons and learn from diverse people. So we expand our creative horizons and learn from diverse people. Welcome feedback. Become a student of culture. Become a student of culture. Um, I, I would add study African American history. And here's why. We, the, the greatest divide in our country is black and whites. We haven't even got to um, immigrants or international parts. But the, because of the greatest divide in our country between black and whites, um, there will be, there'll be an answer to certain things. Okay? So I'll give you an example of um, why is poverty or the wealth gap between blacks and whites. It's, 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 they say it takes 237 years to close that financial wealth gap. There's a reason why. You have 400 years of slavery in our country that has existed. And so when you let slaves go free, how do they build that wealth? Okay. So there's red linings that the government has set up. In, the, in our country. The color of the law is a book. It talks about the red line that banks do. My experience, I went to buy a car 2016, August 2016, and I went with um, one of my friends who is from uh, South America. He didn't realize what was happening, so I had to explain to him when, they, when I asked to buy, to drive, test drive a certain Subaru, they wouldn't let me. They said, we only have two on the lot. Then there was a younger white kid that goes right behind me. He actually test drove that. I said, I can take my money somewhere else. So now I explained to him, I said, this is what actually happened. He didn't realize it. He's not from this country. But those disparity are those who are in the margins that happens. So that's why I said study African-American history, because which African-American history is our history. 
we have a very ugly past, in case you didn't know, <laughs> uh, in this history, in this country. And so um, to have those conversations, to learn about the history within our, our country. It's sad that I have to say African-American history to distinguish between the two, even though that is our history, in case anyone didn't know that we stole the land. Uh, um, so to be open to learn <laughs> is another one. Be open to learn. Think creatively. Think outside the box. Um, we do benedictions, um, and we do every other week. We do a benediction to where there's someone that comes up at the end that's a lay person that, uh, in their own language, um, they may say a scripture and they also say, "Here's some uh, points to pray about for my country back at home." And so that's a way of thinking creatively. How do you include people? So not always think music. But think of other things. Go ahead. Do they then pray in their own language? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we normally, they pray their own language, and if we can capture their language on the screen, and then they say it in English, and then it's, it's a simple two or three minute process at the end. Um, so that's the way that we do an easy, easy win. Um, change the style of a familiar song. Um, I'll give you some resources. His name is Josh Davis. Um, there's a multicultural net. If you're on Facebook, there's a multicultural network that is led by um, Josh Davis, Nikki Lerner. And I can't think of his name now, but he's Korean descent. Um, they kind of lead this network. We had our first national conference in November and there was a, I've heard his music, but to see it live where he just took familiar courses and did it in different languages. And I was just blown away, like, wow, just how it moved through. But he, uh, Josh, Josh Davis and Nikki Lerner actually wrote a book called Worship Together in Your Church as in Heaven. So it's Worship Together in Your Church as in Heaven. Great resource. Um, but then they, they talk a little bit about this, but also um, just how there's videos and stuff of them, how they actually can incorporate the different languages of familiar songs. Um, sometimes you can change chord progressions and make some stuff a little more colorful. <laughs> so CCM, music can probably just use four chords. Nothing wrong with that, but there's more. <laughs> but that's why you have the genre of jazz who may add some things and then a classical. We had that too. So we have a cla- we have classical pianists and I put certain music in front of them and they're, they're like, wow, you know, uh, <laughs> just because it breaks rules. You know, classical is like, here's the rules. Jazz, you add an 11th and things like that. So, uh, or, or within gospel. So that's what I mean by you can change the flavor of a familiar song. By changing some cordings and making it a little more colorful. Um, engage different languages in the same song. We talked about a little about, about that. Your background music as people walk in um, is another way. Um, it's, it's So sometimes we think of hospitality um, as... From the parking lot, you have signs and everybody's welcome. You're yelling welcome at them. And, you know, you have your connect cards. You have all of that, right? 
But one of the more effective ways that I find of practicing hospitality is adding these components into your services. Just from if you're sitting there waiting for service to start and you hear something from your native home will make you feel like you're at home. If you see something in your language, you see someone try to say good morning in your native language to you and they mess it up, <laughs> you still feel like home, you know. Um, so visuals, images, um, preaching, your dancing, your arts, videos, scriptures. Um, we did this past Sunday with the online service, and I, I can send it to you if you like. It's, uh, it was Revelation 5 and tons of different languages. Uh, we did a Psalm 23 video that we made, Psalm 23 in different languages. Those are different ones you can incorporate into your services. Um, whether you pray in different a different language, and we already talked about benediction, stuff like that. Um, they are on YouTube. The one that we did is Psalm 23. There is not. Um, if you want to write down my email address, and then I you just email me, and I'll send it to you. It'd be easier. The link um, is Reggie R E G G I E at peopleschurch.co. I don't know why they missed the M, but no, it was actually taken. So, but yeah, CO. So not not com to CO. So Reggie, and I, I can send you those, and they're very well. They're well done. Um, the Psalms twenty three we did like um, the song uh, from Hillsong. I will exalt you. I think it's I will exalt you. And in the middle of that, during the instrumental, the video played, and then we went go back into the song. We also had a storm that knocked out everything. I don't think the enemy liked that too much. <laughs> um, anyway, so those are ways, to, uh, different ways of also practicing um, hospitality. Questions about any of that? Comments? So normally, uh, I think it goes back to what you asked earlier about criteria. Are what we what we have in our church? I try to use it as a resource. So if you have people in your church that know different languages, then that's where I would go first. Um, if you don't, and you still you're wanting to incorporate. Um, one of the simplest is always Spanish. I say simple, but I, I don't say it like it's easy, but I say it's simple as in it's accessible. Um, it's Spanish to add to different things. Is that what you're talking about more? Of, yeah. Um, just because our, Span- our Spanish-speaking population is growing. And so... Yeah, it's yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so YouTube, Google is always your best friend. <laughs> but 
sources like in the in the multicultural worship or the multicultural network on Facebook. If you don't have Facebook, I would get it just for that and join the group because there are tons of resources on there that we just hand out and get for free. Um, if you feel like, hey, I'm looking for a song in this language, there are people in there that will pop and say, I have it. <laughs> they'll send you chords. They'll send you um, the videos. They'll send you the music. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a great resource. It's the multicultural. What is it called? Yes. So. Yes. 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 It's a, it's a long name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, great resource. There's, there's scholars that are in there as well. Um, there's conferences. No one is like saying, no, it's only my, for me. Everyone's like, here's, let's get this out. So, um, so you'll find a lot of great resources there. Uh, implementing change. So here is the, here's the cost of it. <laughs> so if we're not patient and careful, we can attempt to implement um, sweeping changes without giving our people a chance to consider, understand, prepare for, and process the changes. So that's from our worship teams to maybe your staff. Um, I have a friend on staff who's who's a minority who is of the who is of the global majority <laughs> I don't say minorities global majority he's um, from Puerto Rico he struggles in a church that the dominant culture is a white culture they say they want to be inclusive of people um, language is important so like one of the things we talked about yesterday is that um, one of their promotions is uh, mug your neighbors. And so some people will kind of be like, oh, okay, but he <laughs> mug your neighbors is not a good um, probably tagline. Uh, promote Easter. So you've been mugged by giving a by giving a mug to your neighbors. Oh my gosh! Sorry, I didn't even get there. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, what are they doing? Yeah. I, I think so too. Yes. Yeah. So they give you a mug. To, so it's so when you're promoting it at your church, you're like, hey, this is our mug your neighbor campaign, and then different people's minds go different places. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. So that's what I said. Like language is important. I would never say this is an example. <laughs> I would never say it doesn't necessarily work for me. I guess if I was white, if I was say I'm not trying to be a Nazi about this, because that's a part of our culture, our language. Imagine yourself in a room full of Jewish people. You would not want to say that. <laughs> so that's what I mean by language. Can we have to be careful with language? And a diverse, and there's room for error and diverse. And when you're in a church like heaven, we always extend grace because we don't know. We're learning. We're asking questions. We have a new staff um, person who's doing all of our counseling. He did a residency with us, but now he's doing the counseling. He's of Chinese descent, and he educated us on Chinese culture 
because he had made a comment that we are a Chinese church, but in the Chinese, he started saying we have this language group, we have these people, they're from here and here. And I was like, wow, this is very insightful because sometimes you lump everyone together. Um, so that's what I mean by language and asking. And, um, and we extend grace in that. So if you don't know, you just don't know. And sometimes you don't know until someone says, uh, what you said actually was a little offensive. You know, um, prime example is we have a church picnic every year, but we're going back and forth about changing the name from the church picnic because picnic actually has its root in some other things. So we've been studying it, looking at it, um, and it came. From, it, what we discovered is that it may have come from when they used to lynch. They used to pack lunches to go watch the lynching, and they called it a picnic. So you pick in a. So that's that's a part of learning. But we've been doing the church picnic for a long time, so we're going to change the name probably to. I don't know. <laughs> But it also depends on how many people, because that was the first time I ever heard from him. I'm from Kansas City. My, my family is from the South, and we call it picnics. And it was brought up in one of our staff meetings from some people in the, from the congregation. So we say, if it's offensive, we don't want to be offensive to anyone. So that's why <laughs> it, it takes a lot of grace and education. And, um, so the cost. So one is to help the people you lead to see the need for change. It's always a good thing when you're incorporating um, a church like heaven atmosphere is to do it from a theological standpoint of the why does God desire this. Um, Recognize that change will impact diverse people differently. Third is to consider ahead the best ways to communicate the change. Fourth is, rather than implementing a huge change overnight, help people prepare for the change that is coming. And last is give people opportunities to process as change is happening and after change has um, occurred. Um, okay. Music on the radio. So there's there's tons of layers to this whole Church of Heaven, so I'm just hitting different things. But music on the radio. Mainstream doesn't work in multicultural worship. So the radio is racially segregated, if you haven't noticed. K Love may not play, well, they only play certain, (laughs) yes, they do. So uh, radio may not be a good source for you to go to find, uh, unless you're in a homogeneous church, Um, which I'm assuming everybody who's here would like some type of change or that they're implementing change already. Um, So... We have work to do on that level. Um, 
CCLI, Arteño Conversation that I've been having, there's a guy who wrote an article, and it was about how come you don't see any black artists on the CCLI Top 100. And so there was, it was a really well-written article, and it went around, and it just conversation got the conversation. <laughs> so I reached out to him. Because I see it as, once again, I see it as a, uh, for our black artists, our black and brown artists, this is a um, wealth gap. <laughs> because you're getting paid from CCLI, you're getting paid from here, you're getting paid from there. When they use shoot mu- sheet music, when you download, all of that, they get, if you use CCLI, they want to report in every um, so often, or I don't know how often, but... Uh, that's how artists get paid. When you report, you say, I've sung this song that many times. That's how then they cut a check to the artist. So on the top 100, there's none. So I got involved in the conversation. I contacted the author of it. He works for CCLI and had a conversation. Very open to it. They're working on how do we incorporate um, our other artists in our family <laughs> into... Um, this top 100 or CCLI's database. Because we use a lot of songs that are not in the CCLI database and they're not getting paid for it. So uh, the conversation is being had. They're trying to change the way they do things. But had I just saw the article and not said anything, not reached out to them, then I wouldn't have created a great relationship with someone and change wouldn't happen. And so we're still following up and and, uh, but it's a great article about it. Uh, I don't know the name of the article. I don't remember it now. <laughs> but it's a, it's a really good article. Um, popular theories or models on achieving church like heaven music. So one is um, the music. That music is a universal language that um, communicates and draws all people equally um, is a myth. Not It's not a universal language like that. Um, and really all music is a little racialized. And what I mean by that is particular styles or genres of music appeal to certain racial groups. Okay. Um, if you grew up in a certain genre, if you like Latin or you like jazz, for example, say jazz, you'll probably lean more towards jazz, um, in your culture that you were raised in. I'm assuming our children, I don't have children, your children, <laughs> who, who are growing up, the next generation won't have to have conversations about implementing diversity. I think it will probably become a natural thing because here in the States, at least, we're becoming very um, diversified. The church just needs to catch on and we need to become unified and more have more cultural inclusion. Um, but the different models... One is that there's what I call bulk worship. And so bulk worship is one musical style, language, cultural expression is the bulk of the worship. However, you may include a special element. So if that's where you are, the start is maybe a special music and a different, not just a different language, but maybe that um, native um, country of origin. Um, the pros are people have time to soak in the kind of worship style they like. 
um, teams are more able to become excellent and authentic in that style. And there's a shared, um, uh, there's a shared or diverse leadership. Every culture has the opportunity to, to lead. So that's if you do book worship, one style each week or something like that, you have shared leadership. Um, and then you may do a special that is a different expression, cultural expression. The cons is people who visit your church, your guests, will not be able to feel the identity of the church for at least a month. So they have to attend four services to say, hmm, okay, they include different cultures and different um, throughout. It's not just a special. Sometimes, though, your worship team can become segregated culturally as well because you have one team that's excellent in this particular thing, and then you have some that may play Latin, and then you have some that may play um, gospel. So that can be become that. Um, worship, or the model B, what I call it, is the middle of the world. Style that is developed and infused with different sounds special elements in different musical styles and languages each. So it's kind of a middle of the road. You're trying to do a little bit of both. Um, your prose is you have a, a strong sense of unifying identity with the signature sound. Then there's a fusion model. There's native instruments fused with historical genres such as jazz or popular music that is a blend of two styles combining so, for example, jazz with rock or classical music or ethnic elements like a Brazilian or a Japanese music. Um, and then there's always, which is your signature sound. There's just each church has a sound um, when you get together as musicians or as vocalists. There's a signature sound. Um as I'm still studying and evolving, I find that what what we're trying to achieve is this signature sound, but yet it's a diverse sound. So that we all contribute to the body of Christ, but we all contribute to it diversely. 